I can't believe how hype we got over those cows. That was crazy. Hey, friends, I'm Jacob. Um, if we haven't yet met, I have the awesome privilege of getting to work here at Next. And I just want to say welcome to Best Night of the Week. So the last month-ish, the snow kind of got in the way. We have been talking about something that's super important and something that's getting talked about every single place that we go, and that is relationships. And so the first week of this series, we talked about singleness. And I just remember some of the key points being like, hey, nobody, no single person in this world can ever fulfill everything that you need other than Jesus. And so let's pursue after Jesus. If you're single, which a lot of you are, like that is an incredible gift from the Lord. Paul talks about it. He says, I wish everyone was single because of the freedom that I get to pursue Jesus and pursue his kingdom. And so that's a good thing. And then next week, after that, we talked about dating and kind of the big takeaway there was like, hey, if you want to pursue dating, man, keep at the forefront of your mind the way that Jesus pursues us and it'll go well for you. Whether it works out or whether it doesn't, it'll go well for you. And then last week, we had the gift of talking about marriage, um, or two weeks ago, I guess, because we got snowed out last week. And man, we just got to talk about the beauty of how God has created men and women, about how God has created marriage, um, and just the incredible gift that that is to our world. And tonight, last the marriage talk was a little heavy, but tonight's gonna be a little bit, little bit heavier. Um, and I'm really excited to have these guys on tonight, um, and they'll introduce themselves and talk more about their stories. But friends, tonight we're going to be talking about something that wherever you line up in all those different relationship uh, examples, if you're single, you're dating, you're not, none of you are married, but you guys have uh, a lot of marriages around you that have impacted you. And so tonight what we're going to talk about is something that has happened and has been seen in every single one of those relationships, and that's hurt, and that's pain, and that's brokenness, and that's maybe regret, maybe shame, but it's such an important topic. We want to talk about it, and ultimately, we want to elevate Jesus Christ and how he has redeemed these guys right here, how he's redeemed me, and how he can redeem you um, if you've been hurt, whether that's in something you've done or in something that's been done to you and your family, and so Let's pray and let's get into this, this discussion. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for Annika and Eli. Just such a gift to have them here tonight to share about the ways that you have saved them and redeemed them and um, healed them in their brokenness and ultimately, God, how you've been glorified in their marriage. I pray that they would just be such a clear example of what it looks like to follow after you, to be obedient to you, to receive your grace, and that these students will be deeply impacted by this conversation tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a mic for you. You guys just go ahead. I would love to have you guys introduce yourselves and maybe even tell a little bit about your story. Yeah, so my name is Eli. Um, some of you guys know me. My, my guys are over Woo. here. Uh, yeah, so my, my story um, and dealing with relational hurt. I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm not going to give you the whole, the whole shebang. Uh, but I grew up in a Christian home where um, lots of legalism, uh, which is like if you, you know, you have to make sure that you do the right thing. If you're not doing the right thing, you're just, you know, you're out of whack and there's just huge consequences that you can either bring on yourself, whether it be shame, guilt, um, and, and, and things like that. Um, and in growing up in one of those kind of cultures, you're kind of held to a tight line. 
if you go over that line, there's harsh consequences and, and immediate, immediate pain. Um, and I, at the age of 13, uh, excuse me, 11, when I was 11 years old, uh, I was introduced to internet pornography. And I was addicted to pornography for about four and a half years. And it was a really hard thing to deal with. It's something that sucked joy out of my life. It destroyed relationships that I was in. And, and it wasn't understood by some people around me and others, they totally understood it. Some people gave it a thumbs up. And I was super confused as to how I was supposed to handle that. And um, <clears throat> what happened through it um, is I started dating a girl and it didn't end well. And uh, I, I let off into uh, gallivanting my way into relationships with girls, one after the next, after the next, after the next, figuring out whatever I could take from them, I would, because I was angry that God would take away people that I loved from me. And my conditioning that I had had uh, dwelling four years in pornography every day trained my mind to think that certain people were only objects to me. That's bad. That's really bad. And that's what led me into this repetitive session over and over again, using people for my own gratification. And that brought about a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt. Um, now the Lord, through his um, grace, pursued me and loved me when I was unlovable. I was not worthy of anything that he could have said of me. I was not worthy of anyone's love uh, because I would just take from people. I didn't care about other people. I only cared what they could give me and, and, and where they could lead me to the next person. Yet... I was pursued. I was pursued relentlessly. He did not give up when I gave up on other people and showed me what real love looked like. And we'll probably talk more about it. Uh, but generally, that's just kind of my, my story as I had grown up in the church and was hurt. And I walked away pretty much, you know, was like, ah, God, I'm not dealing with you. And uh, he brought me back. And... Uh, the best thing that ever happened to me, and I wouldn't trade those years for anything because of who those, what God did through those times and those years, who it really made me to be. Made me value my wife more. Made me treasure her. That when I used to be a kind of guy who would just take and abuse and, and, and use my strength uh, to be tender, to be made lower than the earth, to say, I serve you because I love you. I couldn't have said that before. And only a miracle would have changed what was in my heart. So now I'm married to this beautiful woman. Uh, and and she is, she's definitely been a huge impact on me in that way. And I'll let her share too. Yeah, so some of you guys may know me, some of you may not. My small group girls are up front over here and they're the best. Um, 
but I grew up going to Grace since I was two, so I have been here a long time, so 18 years now. Um, and that's kind of like where my story started, kind of like how Eli said, I'm not going to go into the depths of everything, but I just want to share with you kind of like a general like span of what the Lord has taught me specifically through sexual bondage and through relational baggage. Um, so for me, I grew up in the church, always was a Christian, but once I got to middle school, um, I started getting to know a family friend of ours, and he was a couple years older than me. He was four years older than me at the time. Um, and I noticed that he was starting to get super friendly with me, someone that was just giving me more attention than I was really used to. And for someone that was four years older than me, I was like, oh my gosh, like in my middle school mind, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like a guy's pursuing me and he's older than me. So that must mean something good. Um, and so I remember this one specific night and basically I could tell that he was getting a little too close than what would normally be comfortable for like friends to be and but nothing happened of that but I remember that night I like wrote a super long text message just being like hey like I would love to take a step back like I don't want to have to um like I just want to make sure that like I honor the Lord I feel like this isn't right um but something inside of me something in my flesh was whispering to me to not send that text message it was just telling me well what would happen if you don't let's see where this goes like it's okay Annika it's nothing that's going to be too wild and so I deleted the whole text strand, and I just, like, went on with life, not expecting anything of it. Um, but what I realized is that was my first mistake in saying no to something that was going to affect the next year and a half of my life. Um, and so basically throughout that course, like, as he started getting closer to me, um, he just started pursuing me more and more and more. And in my mind, being the 13-year-old girl I was, I was like, okay, like, if he wants to be in a relationship, this is great. Um, but the reality was, is he wasn't necessarily looking for a relationship. He was just looking for sexual gratification, regardless of what the costs were. And so throughout that, it was like the first six months, I thought it was a relationship, but then boundaries kept on being crossed. And then he would keep on pushing things and pushing things and pushing things until it got to the point where I realized I was being taken advantage of. And I actually, it wasn't a relationship. It was more of him abusing me to get to the means that he wanted for his gratification through sexual desire. And so that was a crazy season of my life um, because the devil doesn't always creep in overnight. He creeps in slowly through the cracks in the doors, through slowly walking in through different things. Mm -hmm. And this is just something that like, I wanna let you guys know too, that like, if you feel something in your heart, if your spirit is off about something, that's the Holy Spirit inside of you leading you to do something, leading you to say something else, leading you to take a firm stance. And I chose curiosity over um, knowing what was right in my heart. And so as time goes on, it kept on getting worse and worse and worse. And in my heart, I thought that he cared about me, but I was like, oh, like every relationship has its struggles. This is just our one like struggle. Like we're falling into sin, but at the same time, it's like, it's whatever every couple deals with that. But as time went on, I realized the patterns was I would always stop and say no, and he would never listen, and he would always push and pry and pry and pry until it got to the point where I realized, like, I had no power to say no anymore, and my um, power to say no meant nothing to him, even if I said it, and so um, it just got into an abusive relationship sexually and emotionally, and it kind of, I didn't get to see the warning signs until it was too late, and so um, I was in that for about a year and a half, and I was just seeking and praying the Lord for deliverance, but I 
still had emotional ties to him, and I wanted to make things work, but I didn't want to abandon him. And so I was just praying that the Lord would deliver me out of sin, even though a lot of it wasn't my personal sin. It was sin that was being done to me. Um, But the Lord answered in a way that I never thought he could. And long story short, we were on a mission trip together, and just a circumstance happened where I needed to get a restraining order on him. And that was a blessing in disguise, because it meant that I couldn't see him for over two years. It meant that um, I really had no option but to be away from him, which is the exact blessing that I needed because in my flesh, I kept on going back to him. But once I put legal obligations in front of us, then that made me realize, okay, this is not okay because it got to the point where he was an adult and I was a minor. Um, And in my heart throughout that entire relationship, I kept it all a secret. I kept it all a um, something away from my parents, something away from my friends. And my parents knew about it because they would just kind of like see signs but I kept on lying and saying, no, it's over. Like, nope, I don't talk to him anymore. No, we don't text, but I would always delete text messages. I would always turn off my location. I would always hide where I am from him because I was like, oh, my parents are going to say no. My friends don't agree. But I think I agree because in my flesh, I wanted to be with him because he pursued me. And um, I think there's something where it comes to in my life. Like, yes, it was an abusive relationship, but I still actively chose sin within that relationship where it was not my sin that caused him to abuse me, but it was my own sin choosing to go back to him. It was my own sin choosing to hide him from my friends. Um, And so that's just a little bit of my story, and I was really lost and broken in that season, but I praise the Lord that he brought me out and he redeemed me, and he took something that was very broken, yet he made it so beautiful. And it's just one of those things where it's like, if you're caught in that, I wanna let you know that there is hope and there is help that if you're in one of those situations where you can't get out, I just want to let you know that my story is a testament that the Lord can deliver you from an abusive relationship. He can deliver you from any type of restraint that's on you, and he is so just to forgive you, and he's so just to heal you from your past. And so that's why I'm grateful to be up here to share that with you guys, to know that you aren't alone and that there can be healing and redemption for your guys' stories. I want to share one, one more thing on that. Um, we believe in a powerful God, a really powerful God, who can take a man who looks, after, looks for women simply because of what he can get from them, abusively, knows who I was, and someone who was on the receiving end of it, and he redeems both of them and draws them together by his grace. If you, if you believe in the same God that we do, then we believe that the God who is able, more than able, to save us, he is able for you. And I, I really want to stress that because he is powerful and he's not going to come up void on his word. The creator and designer of the universe isn't going to just like dip out. What he says will come to pass. And there's lots of things that he says about this, and we'll talk more about it. But So good. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, what I couldn't get out of my mind was just the heartbreaking reality that so many people in this room, in some different levels of intensity or ways, can relate a lot, whether it's pornography or your own sinful choices or other people's sinful choices hurting you. Um, there's probably a lot of ways in which people can relate, but none of those ways are ever going to be the same, never going to be the same exact story, never going to be the same exact 
outcome or uh, path to find the freedom. And so we're not going to get up here and try to give you tips and tricks on how to heal, right? That's not what we're doing. Um, and so to that end, I just want to ask you guys, and you, you talked about that relentless pursuit of Christ in your life. Like, what did that look like for Jesus to, for Jesus to work through, the God that you just spoke about? Like, we, we don't all have the same stories, but we have the same God. And so how did Jesus show up in your guys' story and working it through that area of your life um, to really continue bringing that redemption? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me personally, um, it, it looked like a lot of struggle for a long time. Um, uh, meeting men's groups, reading books, uh, having accountability partners. Um, after I rededicated my life to Christ, it, it wasn't just like this just goes away. Uh, it, it lingers. Um, I think of uh, what uh, God says to Cain uh, before he kills his, his brother. He says, uh, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Um, and it just like that, just repetitively in my mind, that sin wants me. Sin is coming after me. And if I sleep, it won't. It won't be satisfied until it has me. And if that's true, then I can't give up. I can't, you know let my ground fall back because it will come after me and I need to be, you know, firm-footed in that. And in that kind of level of uh, how Christ was able to work through it um, came a lot from Hebrews 4, 15. Uh, we do not have a God who is unable to sympathize with us. And as I thought about that through the midst of Okay, you know, I've, I've gone around and I've done the worst of the worst. I have treated people like trash. I, like, what, what could I offer anybody? Why would anyone want me? And why would anyone want to sympathize with me? And, and as, I, uh, as we were preparing for this, um, I was thinking about, well... Uh, through all the hardships, through all any kinds of suffering that can come about from, you know, relationships, uh, God has already been through it. And I think of uh, in John 1, Jesus is sent to a people who did not receive him. In fact, his own people screamed, crucify him. You know, you go into your schools and all your friends and they, you, you want to tell them something and they hate you so much that they just say, crucify them, kill them, torture them, whip them. Like, Jesus is hearing those words come from the people who he was sent to. That's hard. He sees his friend Peter, who he loves dearly, who, you know, says, I'm never going to leave you. It's in uh, Matthew. I'm never going to leave you. And I, they fall away because they don't, they don't love you. I love you. I'm never going to leave. And he's like, right when he's faced, oh, are you the guy who knows Jesus? He's like, I don't know who that is. He denies him three times in the face of Jesus' blood and sweat dripping down his face. His own friends turn his ba their back on him. Judas betrays him pretends to be a friend and then he's up on the cross and he says my god my god why have you 
forsaken me. If there's anyone who's dealt with the most hurt, it's our Savior. He, he dealt with more than I ever could. He had people who were close to him turn him away, leave him to be whipped by executioners, to be betrayed by a kiss so deceptively. That's hard. And uh, it, as I think about you know, God's redemptive work in my own life, that he is able to sit there with me in the midst of everything, that he, the Father, turned away from Christ once so that he could never turn away from you. He turned away from Christ one time, that he would never do it for you, so that by one man's righteousness, all of them would be made righteous. It's the same thought process. And, um, I, and I think about that because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb forever. After he was killed, he rose again. And I mean, we all hear that story um, growing up in the church, uh, that Jesus rose again. Uh, but James uh, chapter 1, verses 17, I think it is, um, he says that you will endure the trial, and when you have stood the test, you will receive the crown of life. And that's what Jesus received on the other side of his resurrection. And he's saying uh, in, in Romans 6, Paul says, we have been buried together with Christ. All of our suffering, all of our baggage, all of our pain, everything that we can come up with, every, every person I was ever with, every relationship that I ever pushed away, everybody that I ever used was buried together with Christ. And then he rose again, taking me with him. So when, when I'm, you know, how does God's redemptive work, uh, how has that worked out in my life? Trust God. Honor him. Because he's the only one who can get you out of it. You know, you know we, we, we deal with so many different things, and he's not, he is able to sympathize with you. He is with you. He hears the brokenhearted, and he mends their wounds. He won't quench a smoldering wick or break a bruised reed. Our God is gentle. And he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. And that same God who's that powerful has always been there for you. Now, we, we, tend, to, we tend to, our defense mechanism, you know, this is, you know, I don't want to bring it out there. I don't want to bring it out in the light. It's shameful. It's guilty. Uh, Paul says, or in, in Hebrews, it says that Christ, even despising the shame, endured the cross so that you didn't have to. You don't have to be shameful anymore. You don't have to be guilty anymore. You know, my, my years of being in pornography and asking myself, how is that going to affect my relationship with my wife, my kids, my, my friends? How are all these different people that I've been with, how could I possibly be forgiven? And the answers are, it is finished. I did that. I shed that blood. 
I bared that burden. So now I can cast on him all my cares because he clearly cares for me enough that he would die and endure greater suffering than I ever did just so that way he could never turn his back on me. What a God. What a God. And um, I, I, wanted you, I want to encourage you with that because there's lots of pain when we deal with relationships, when people wrong you or when you wrong someone else, you never know how it's going to affect them. I encourage you that God, he who began a good work in you, will certainly bring it to completion. The faithful words of the creator to you. So that's how I would answer that. Yeah, I would say for me, it, like how Eli said, it was through a lot of struggle. So I'm going to kind of continue my story, but weave the Bible into it as I share. Um, but after I was out of that, that relationship, I isolated myself. Like while I was in the relationship, so once I was out of it, I was alone. And I literally had nothing to do but to depend on Christ because I ignored my friends, I ignored my family, and I realized once I got out of it, I was like, my relationship with Christ is non-existent. My relationship with my community is non-existent. And I felt so alone and so broken. And this was the verse that I just clung to that entire season, and it's in Romans 8. I recommend reading the whole thing because there's so many good verses in it. But these are the few that I really clung to in that time. And this is Romans 8, verse 18, and it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And I see the Lord's providence through this verse so evidently. And then moving on to Romans 8, 28, and we know that um, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those are, who are called according to his purposes. And that meant to me that regardless of what happened in my past, regardless of what kept me in my shame, regardless of what kept me alone and abandoned, that it was going to work out for good. And if someone would have told me like five years ago that I'd be able to speak on stage declaring the goodness of God through that hardship of the conversation, I wouldn't believe them. But like this is truly only by the grace of God that you can be healed from brokenness. And then this is the last verse from Romans 8 that I want to share with you guys. Um, but it's starting in verse 35. It says, And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For as it, as it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. For we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, no angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, no height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that just made me realize the love that Christ has for us. Because I had such a broken view of what love looked like through a broken relationship. But seeing the way that the Lord loved me and pursued me, like how Eli was saying, just made me want to fall in love with him even more. And it started my relationship with the Lord right off the bat. And I, on, I almost thank the Lord that I was so alone in that season of recovery because it made me realize apart from him, I have no good thing. That apart from Christ, I am nothing. But with Christ, I am everything. And something that really has been like speaking to me over the past couple days as I've been 
preparing for this is I really wanted to share with you guys that just because you have been a victim in the past does not mean you are a victim today because we are victors in Christ Jesus for what he has done in and through your lives. And like, I say that with such joy in my heart, knowing that like I am here today that I don't need to lay in my shame. I don't need to lay in my brokenness, but I can lay in the victory that Jesus has given me. And it's just a testament to even be sitting up here with my husband to realize if I didn't go through that tribulation, I would not know who to look for in a future husband. I would not know how to love the Lord the way that I love him. I would not know the importance of community. I would not know the the importance of being with my family and truly being in relationship with those around me in the same way that Christ was in relationship with those people around him. And I just praise the Lord that like, we are free indeed because of what Christ has done and we are not laid into the shame that we were in our past. And so I just want to lay that with you guys to know that you can be victorious. And in John um, 8, it says, um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If so, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And this is a promise that the Lord gives to us that his truth will set us free and we can be free. We are not victims, but we are victors. And in Psalm um, 147, verse 3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And the Lord truly does that. We can go to him and he will heal us from all of our wounds. And I just like thank the Lord so much that like we can have victory in him. So I'm like just overjoyed seeing the providence of his work in my life, knowing that I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for who he was and how he can move in our hearts. And the same way that he has moved in my life, he can move in all of your lives. So I just want to encourage you that you can be a victor and not a victim. Yeah, Eli, something I heard you say was, and and even Annika just talking about this victory that we have in the resurrection of Christ. And we hear that story all the time. So many students in this room, you've heard that story your whole life. Honestly, probably all of you have heard that story your whole life, let's be real. And I know that there is 100% students in this room who are here tonight and they're saying, I've heard the same story over and over every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, but nothing's changing. And if that's you, I want to point you to these two right here and say these are people who have been transformed by the power and the truth of those stories. No matter how many times it took for them to hear it over and over and over again, it transformed them. And it's evidenced by how they are walking with Christ and walking together in marriage and redemption. So some of you have heard the story of Jesus and what he offers you. And you've heard it again and again, and you think, man, I don't know if I need to hear that anymore because it's not doing anything. Lean in closer. The enemy would want, would want you to feel that way. The enemy would want you to feel like, man, I, I, I don't think this is going to work. I've heard it so many times. I don't think it's going to work. And I think, man, the Lord is going to continue to give you the same message over and over and over again until you believe it. And you're transformed by it. So I just, I felt the Lord just say that now in this moment. Like you guys said, the victory, the resurrection, the story, it's transformed you. 
And I know there are students in this room who are longing for that. Um, and so with that, speaking of the people in this room, how do you guys think that the girls and the guys in this room can actually see their need for Jesus in this area, in relationships, and brokenness? And not only that, but how can that area of life glorify God even with the presence of pain and brokenness? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think, I mean, we're all sinners here. We're all broken people. Uh, I don't think it's hard to see that we have need. Whether or not you admit it, whether or not you know it, uh, or, or maybe show it to your friends, you know. You know that you have need. We are needy. Um, the good news is, uh, well, as we look, up, look around in our world with our needy hearts, we'll put anything in its place to try and fill our need. For me, uh, I was needy and I wanted love and I put pornography in its place. Or we can be needy for comfort and put money in its place. Or we can be needy for affection and put a relationship in its place. Um, you, you could put so many different things there, but this world is passing away. And in the same way, whatever you put in your heart on this earth will pass away. You were not made for this place. This is not where you belong. The only thing that will ever fully satisfy your heart, whether you feel it currently or not, is a lasting relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, as you were, as you were saying, like, there's, there's this, you know, you know, there's no change yet. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't feel anything. And uh, it brings me to John 17. And this is right before uh, Jesus is going to be delivered over uh, he just finished dinner with, uh, with his disciples. And uh, this is what he says. When Jesus had spoken these words, this is verse 1, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If God is infinite and having eternal life is knowing him, you're not going to learn infinite like that. It's not going to change like that. We are not uh, going to see every single piece of refining that's going to happen. When Paul says, or excuse me, not Paul, John in 1 John 3, 2, what we will be is not yet revealed. We don't know what it's going to be like, but we do know we will be like him. You will be like Christ. Every neediness in your heart every piece of brokenness that we are, every drop of sin 
that has stained our fleshly bodies, we will be like Christ. What an amazing love. We don't, I don't deserve that. I'm, I'm a terrible person. I have bad thoughts every day, and yet this guy is telling me that I'm going to know Christ and be like him. I'm not going to change in one day if that's, all it's, if that's what it is. But I'm looking forward to the day when every single day there's something new because God is infinite. When I'm sitting in glory with him, it's not like eternal church service. It's every day I get to see more of Jesus. I get to know more of who he is. And because he's infinite, it's never going to get boring. It's never going to get lonely. And that's what's awaiting you. Baggage, pain, and hurt. As she said, what is this light momentary affliction as opposed to what we are going to be when we are standing in glory? That's what I want. There's hope. If that's the kind of hope that's out there, I will endure as long as it takes. I will run that race any day of the week. Because if the God of the universe is able to say that of you and actually give it to you and follow through on his word, which he has never failed to do, there's something wrong in my heart if I don't trust that. There's something wrong in me if I don't believe that. (laughs) I do. And I pray that you do. Everything can be put to the side. Guilt, shame, baggage, and look forward to the hope. Smile in the morning. Christians uh, in Peter's day were being hung in cages and lit on fire to be candles for parties by the emperor. And they did that with a smile on their face saying, I am going to be with Jesus. (laughs) If I don't think that way, Lord, pray that I do. So that's, I mean, a little bit of my thoughts on that. Yeah, and so the first part of that question was, how can we see our need for Christ within our own sin? Like, how can we know our own sin and try to go against it? And uh, kind of like how Eli was saying, like, we don't, I don't need to give an explanation for you guys to realize the weight of sin. Um, But I'll go into it just a little bit more because I feel like when you expose things to the light, then the Lord actually will give you that ability to heal. But when you guys are struggling with your brokenness, when you're struggling with your own sin, what I recommend for you and what the Bible calls us to is to confess your sins to one another so that way you may be healed. And so James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, and it is working. And I want to encourage you that if you know you are in sin, you need to tell the people around you. You need to hold yourself accountable, because otherwise, if you're the only one holding yourself accountable, you're going to fall short. I fell short all the time. And you need to know your sin, and also you need to run away from it. And now the Bible says that the Lord will always provide us a way out in the midst of temptation. 
that there will always be a way to be out. He will not give us a burden that we are unable to bear and escape from. And I want to encourage you that if you're being tempted with sin, you can have a way out. And so that's why I recommend have an accountability partner. Have someone you can talk to. Have someone that knows the in and outs of you. So that way they can not only call you to a higher standard, but you can also realize if I fall short, I need to tell them. Not because I want, like, you need someone. That way you won't hide your own sin. Because whatever's left in the darkness will stay in the darkness. But once you bring it to the light, darkness cannot survive in the light. And so that's one way to help kind of get out of your brokenness, get out of your sin. And then my encouragement for you guys in the midst of all of your sin is um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, I am then strong. And I, I want to encourage you guys that you are not a strong person if you just pick up yourself by your own bootstraps and you work hard to defeat your own sin. A strong person knows they are weak and confesses their weakness. That is what makes you strong because you know you cannot do it on your own. And oftentimes, I love to think about this depiction, but if you think of us like we're clay jars, right? And one falls to the side and it gains a giant crack through the side. Some people might see this as broken and weak and useless. But what I like to say is Christ shines brightly through the cracks. He reveals himself more to you through the brokenness. And that's how other people can see you. That it's okay to be weak in front of believers because you know that Christ is strong. And that's that whole redemptive piece where I am so glad I don't have to be perfect 100% of the time because I'm a human. My flesh wants me to be perfect, but I am not. God calls me to be perfect, but I am not. But that's why I'm glad that his grace is sufficient for me. And that is the same truth for you guys, that his grace is sufficient for you and that he can do all things through you guys because his strength is working in the midst of you, not your own. So, yeah. That's so good. Um, friends, I just, I can't help but feel the weight of what might be going through some of your heads. And so I just want you guys to take a moment and identify maybe something in your life right now that as they're talking about this redemption, as they're talking about the ways that they've been hurt and the ways that they've been healed, what is something in your life right now that feels really, really heavy, that makes you feel really, really dirty, that makes you feel really, really messed up, that you don't want to tell, that you don't want to bring to the light. What is that thing? Maybe it's not even something you've done. Maybe it's your parents' relationship. Maybe it's a sibling's relationship. Something that's heavy. Because what I'm hearing up here right now from these two is not only does God have the capability to have mercy on you, but actually it glorifies himself, and he delights to do it. And so whatever's been done to you, whatever you've done, it does not disqualify you from his grace. 
because he wants to give you grace. You're not used goods. You're not damaged goods, whatever you've done. You are an opportunity for God to glorify himself by having mercy on you. And so identify that thing. And man, bring it before the Lord right now. I just, even before we got up here, but even more so now, I couldn't get the scripture, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 out of my head. And I think these guys can agree in the ways that they've been hurt and the ways that they've dealt with brokenness in their lives and relationships. They can agree that relationships are heavy and they are burdensome and they are tiring. I know for me, like my, my family's super broken. My dad cheated on my mom when I was eight. And that has been an exhausting life, trying to bear that. But in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. It also says in other translations, gentle, which you talked about, and I love that. Gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so when we resist to bring those things to him because we're afraid or because we think we're too messed up. When we resist it, that's when it's heavy. But when you give it to him, what does it mean when he says, my yoke is easy? I've wrestled with that a lot. Like, what does that even mean, Jesus? Like, nothing feels easy. His yoke is simply, like, the life of following him. The, the things that he says, the truth that he teaches, that's his yoke. That is the thing that he's putting on you, and he says it's light and it's easy, and it's better, and it's freeing. And so whatever you're dealing with that's heavy, that's what's on offer. Bring it to him, and he will give you rest from all of that. And then when you run away and you get scared again and you, you want to run back to the, the old way, he'll pursue you relentlessly, and he'll wait. And he'll have mercy again, and it'll glorify him more, and he'll give you rest. So friends, I just want to pray, and I just want to close this out. This was such an incredible gift for me, and I hope it was for you. Um, as I pray, I would love for a couple people to come grab these couches off the table. And we're going to, or not the table, the stage, and we're going to worship Jesus. Um, I know these guys could probably talk for hours about the work that Jesus has done. But we want, we want to respond to him in worship. So let's pray. Just still your heart before the Lord. What is that thing that's burdening you? What is that thing that's heavy? The worship team, you can come up as we think about that. If I grab a couple guys to come snag these, these chairs, this couch. Thank you, guys. What is that thing? Is it an addiction? Is it a relationship? Is it a friendship? Every relationship that we know in this world is fragile. 
And every relationship in this world is capable of hurting us. So what is that thing? Jesus wants it. Jesus gets glory from healing you. He loves to do it. Jesus, I lift up all of the things in this room right now that are being thought of, that are being contemplated. The hurt, the brokenness, the pain, the regret, the shame. And I even lift up the people in this room who have none of that for their sin. The people who look at their lives and the the things that they've done or the things that have been done to them and they're numb. They don't care. I know that was me. I didn't care what they said on the stage. I knew what I knew. I knew what I wanted. I lift up all of those people, all of those, those ideas to you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room right now. Jesus, I believe in faith that you are the God who wants to heal. All of those people from all the different perspectives, all the different stories, that you want to do it. this room right now and you haven't given that to the Lord if you if you're resisting it I'm going to ask you right now to give it to him to bring it before him when you stand up in worship put your arms up in the air and say Jesus it's yours be my father be my friend it's yours that's you. Just pray this. Jesus, I've heard this message my whole life. And you keep pressing it on me and I keep resisting it. But right now, Jesus, I believe. If that's you right now, if you believe, pray, Jesus, humble my heart before you. the Son of God, that you died on a cross, that you were resurrected, defeating death for me. And I believe that you are Lord. If that's you, Jesus delights to save you. God, we're going to worship you. We love you so much. Worship is simply just a response. It's not just, it's not just singing. It's not karaoke. It's responding to you in a way that you have given us just the freedom to do it, to the, the joy to do it. God, we love you. It's your name I pray. can do, there's nothing I've done, there's nothing that will be done um, that I can do to save myself or make myself better, it's all the Lord, and I think it was just a humbling moment before the Lord of just like I am nothing without you and bringing me back to like the core of this is all about Jesus 
Like, once you've been brought from death to life, like, it's about him wholly and completely. It's not you plus God. And so this verse or this chapter from Psalm 111 has just hit, um, just like praising God for who he is in his character. Psalm 111 says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord guided by all who delight in him. Full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. In verse 9 it says, he sent redemption to his people. Guys, he sent Jesus as a redeemer. And he's worthy of all of our honor, all of our praise, all of who we are. And so wherever you're at right now, whatever state you're in, whether you're feeling the weight of the world, just bring it to him. He doesn't want your polished self. He just wants you. And so we're going to sing this song just about praising God and his holiness, and he's worthy of our honor. Let's go. 